Once again, I thank you for the privilege it is to come and speak here. Please turn to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. This is something that I touched on last time I spoke. And in fact, I said, I'll come back to you on this. So this is coming back to you on this. Okay. And I want to look at Luke chapter 11. And I want to look at verse 16 and then from verse 29 onwards. So we'll, let's just read verse 16 and then we'll pray. Luke eleven sixteen And others, tempting him, sought of him a sign from heaven. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask now that you might open our hearts and minds to your spirit your scriptures to your word teach us lord things which we have not seen or known lord and we pray that the truths which we've already known might be burned deep in our hearts through the power of the word of god we ask in jesus name amen and others tempting him sought of him a sign from heaven well who were the others well the others here Ask the scribe, some of the scribes, the Pharisees, the people who were listening to him and who were criticizing him. They were the others. But look over in verse 29. And when the people were gathered thick together, he began to say, This is an evil generation. They seek a sign, and there shall be no sign given it but the sign of Jonah the prophet. Now, you know, when you're you're taught public speaking and and, and speech making and things like that, and you can see it it done by politicians and people when they want to get an audience on their side, the first thing they do is they're very nice to people. They thank them for coming, they acknowledge this, they support that, they're very friendly and nice when they start to, to get everybody in a good mood. That's not the way Jesus preached. Don't you love the way he starts off sermons? He starts off his sermon by saying, you're an evil and adulterous generation, you seek a sign and I'm not going to give you one. Yeah, now that'll really get everybody on your side, won't it? (laughs) But that's the way he preached, that's the way he spoke. And in fact... It's recorded that the common people heard him gladly because he told them like it was. He spoke to them directly and clearly and openly. There was no mucking around. They understood what he meant. And that is something, perhaps a lesson that a few public speakers in public life could learn today. Be honest with people. Tell them the truth. He said... This is an evil generation. They seek a sign. Sign seekers. These other people tempting or testing him, sought from him a sign from heaven. Why did they want a sign? Well, let's go back to find out where they're coming from here. Back to the book of Deuteronomy. The book of Deuteronomy, 
And chapter 18, Deuteronomy chapter 18, and verses 15 and onwards. This is Moses speaking. And he says in Deuteronomy 18.15, The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren, like unto me, and unto him ye shall hearken. This is the prophecy or the prediction of the like Moses prophet. Alright? Now, how would a prophet be like Moses. Incidentally, you know, these all these prophecies concerning the Messiah were so difficult to sort of work out that some of the rabbis had suggested that the prophet was distinct from the Messiah. He was a different person. And that's why you find when uh, when when the, they came to John and said, are you the Messiah? And he said, no. And they said, well, are you that prophet? They're talking about this prophet here. They thought maybe it's a different person than the Messiah, the like Moses prophet. God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the, from, on the midst of, of thee, of thy brethren, like unto me. Well, how would a prophet be like Moses? Hmm. And one of the things they thought about, and they said, well, Moses did signs and wonders. So a, a prophet like Moses would do signs and wonders. Yeah, that makes sense. And so they said to, to Jesus, well, if you're the like Moses prophet, do some signs and wonders. Now, there's a, a very good saying that our, our pastor now understands a little bit clearer, perhaps, that says, be careful what you wish for. Right? Because, remember, there were a couple of Jesus' disciples who were into signs and wonders. Their favourite signs and wonder that they wanted to do was to bring down fire from heaven and burn up God's enemies. So coming up to Jesus and saying, do a sign, do a wonder. Be careful what you... He may have just, you know, done it there and then and proved his credentials by calling down fire from heaven and turning you into a crispy critter. <coughs> so what were the signs and wonders that Moses did? Let me see. Uh, plagues of locusts? Frogs? <coughs> lice? Uh, darkness that could be felt um, death yeah death parting the Red Sea water out of a rock food down from heaven now these are some pretty good signs and wonders and they were saying to Jesus prove yourself and produce these things now they hadn't considered that Jesus had brought down food from heaven when he fed 5,000 at once. You want to see the, the, the sign like parting the Red Sea? 
Well, Moses parted the Red Sea, but Jesus said to the Sea of Galilee, Peace, be still, lie down, be quiet. And it did. So he had done signs and wonders in a like Moses fashion, but the whole point is they were missing the whole point of this passage. For if you read further down, in verse 18... It says, I will raise up them, this is God speaking, I will raise up them a prophet from amongst their brethren like unto thee, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. There's the likeness of Moses and Christ comes in the fact both of them spoke the direct words of God. Moses spoke the direct words of God. He had them chiseled on bits of stone with the finger of God. He had the word of God in front there, showing it to the people. Jesus was the word of God. The interesting thing is, and it shall come to pass in verse 19, that whomsoever will not hearken unto my words which he shall speak in my name, I will require it of him. It doesn't say, and whomsoever doesn't believe the signs and the wonders, I'll require it of him. It says, no, whosoever will not listen to the word which this prophet speaks, I'll hold him accountable. Now this becomes important. So keep that in your mind. And let us go back to Luke chapter 11. Back to Luke 11. So that's what they were after. They were after a sign like Moses. They said they they, they wanted something like manna from heaven. They wanted something like frogs or locusts. He said, no. Verse 29, when the people were gathered thick together, he began to say, this is an evil generation. They seek a sign and there shall be no sign given it, but the sign of the Jonah, the prophet. Now there's a couple of things we need to look at here and I want you to consider. So I'm going to read through to the end here and we'll, again we'll come back. For as Jonah was assigned to the Ninevites, so shall also the Son of Man be to this generation. The Queen of the South shall rise up in the judgment with the men of this generation and shall condemn them. For she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, a greater than Solomon is here. And the men of Nineveh shall rise up in the judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, a greater than Jonah is here. I put it to you that there are two types of people in the world. Two types of people. You ever heard that that sort of saying? There are two types of people in the world. You know, there are cat people and there are dog people. Well, that doesn't work because there's turtle people too, but that's, that's different. You know, there are people who like tea and people who like you know, coffee. People are split. The world is sort of split. I remember my brother came to a, a, a board meeting of the Board of Works when he was working for them. And he said, you know, the world is split into two kinds of people. And uh, he, he said, there are people who can do that, and there are people who can't. 
Now, go on, go on, everybody have a try now, because you're bound to have a shot and want to do it yourself and see if you can or not. That then you'll know whether you're one of those or not. Alright? But you ever seen that? The world is in two kinds of people. Okay? Well, I put it to you that when it comes to trying to understand the gospel and trying to look at the things of God, the world is split into two kinds of people. And we find these two kinds of people, they are, they are explained here, but they are also mentioned across in 1 Corinthians. Look over in 1 Corinthians. First Corinthians chapter one, verse twenty-two, and we will be coming back to this portion of scripture later on. First Corinthians one twenty-two: For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. The Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. I put it to you that everybody in the world, according to this way of, of looking, is either a Jew or a Greek. Now that's fair enough the way they looked at it because the Jews thought the world consisted of Jews and everybody else. The Greeks said the world consists of Greeks and everybody else. If you've watched my my, uh, big fat Greek wedding, you understand that sort of thinking. There are Greeks and there are Xanos. That's that's modern Greek pronunciation, I'd say. It means foreigners, others, not us. Right? And the, and the difference between these two groups of people is not racial, it is not, it is not uh, educational, or even not ethnic. It's the way they look at the world. For the Jews require a sign. That is to say there is a group of people in this world who want to see it. If I can't see it, I won't believe it. That's the way they look at things. If they can't see it and touch it and handle it, they won't believe it. Alright? The other group of people say, I have to understand it intellectually. I have to be able to put my head around it. Once I put my head around it, I will will understand it and then I will believe it. So we've got... and, And today... I guarantee, in this group here, there are some Jews and there are some Greeks. It's just the way people are. Some people want to see it, some people want to understand it. Now, we say to pe- people say, seeing is believing. What a load of rubbish. Remember that, that, that the old Superman movie? You will believe a man can fly. Well, I saw it, and I didn't. don't believe people can fly. I mean, yeah, except in gravity-assisted flight, you know, that's sort of just straight down. But people don't fly. I saw it, but I didn't believe it. We see, the world, in fact, should be becoming less and less like that. You see things on the, you know, the, the TV and in movies, and, and there's tricks done, and you go, oh, how did they, you don't believe it. You go and see... Now, I, I remember I, I went to see a, uh, a conjurer. And this guy was terrific. He was doing tricks. And, and I remember he had a lady come up from the audience and, and, and 
he took off her wedding ring and her wristwatch and her bank and just while he was shaking hands at you and he was marvelous he was a trickster a conjurer he did tricks but i don't believe that he could actually pull live rabbits out of hats even though i saw him do it because seeing is not believing no you know you you have and yet you have some people who go oh it must be true i saw it on the internet yeah right we should be getting if we're we're really we should be getting less liable to be taken in by the things we see and yet people still say to us when we teach when we try to to explain the gospel if i can't see it i won't believe it They use it as an excuse. Unless I see a sign, I'm not going to believe. It's not used because they they really need that. It's used as a defense against the gospel so they don't have to believe. I'll tell you, you see lots of things that you don't believe. You want proof? And And someone mentioned this to me and I thought it's a real classic. Get in a car. Drive along the road. Have a look up the, up the end of the road. See the road narrows down to a point and then disappears. Do you really believe the road finishes there? Do you really believe the road gets narrower and narrower? And do you really believe that the tunnel that you're about to go through is only that big? Well, no. Of course not. But you see it, but you don't believe it. There's a story about a... Uh, about a, a, a Negro gentleman who went to the zoo. First time he'd ever been to the zoo. He'd been living out in the country and he went to the zoo in New York. And he saw the lions. And he said, yeah, I've seen a cat. That's just a big cat. I can believe that. And he saw the zebra. He said, I've seen a horse and a mule and that's just a horse with stripes. I can believe that. Then he came round and he saw the giraffe. Looked the giraffe up and down. He said, I seize it, but I still don't believe it. Now, you can see things and still not believe them. But these people say, oh, we want a sign. What they're saying is, I want God to go my way. I want God to fulfill my little requests and prove himself to me. And God says, I won't. I'll give you a sign. I'll give you the sign of the prophet Jonah. Now, interestingly here, it says in verse 30, For as Jonah was a sign unto the Ninevites. What's the sign of Jonah? Well, in Matthew... It says that Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the whale and the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the earth. But that's sort of missing a little point here. Did Jonah come to Nineveh and say, I've been in a whale's belly. Listen to me. No. If you look back in the book of Jonah, what was Jonah's message? He said... 40 days and your city's going to be rubble, so repent and get right with God. So what was the sign of Jonah? Look really carefully here. It says, for as Jonah 
was a sign. The sign was the prophet. Jonah was the sign. So shall the Son of Man. Jesus is the sign. It's not what he does is the sign. He himself is the sign from God. As Jonah was a sign to the Ninevites. So shall the Son of Man be to this generation. Now there's something else that's really important to think about here. There are two groups who are mentioned here in the next few verses. The Queen of the South came to Solomon. And the men of Nineveh were the men of Nineveh Jewish. No, they were Gentiles. Okay, was the Queen of the South, the Queen of Sheba, we believe Sheba to be Ethiopia, was the Queen of Sheba Jewish? No, she was a Gentile. Both of the examples here, Christ is saying, you Jewish people are calling for a sign and the only sign that's going to be given is the one that is given to the Gentiles. Not going to give it to the Jews. To us, to you people here, he gives this sign. That's pretty amazing. So, as we keep going, For as Jonah was a sign unto the Ninevites, so shall the Son of Man be to this generation. The Queen of the South shall rise up in the judgment with this generation. We said there are two types of people. Those who want to see it, those who want to understand it. Those who look for a sign, those who seek wisdom. 1 Corinthians, as we said in chapter 1, verse 22. 22. For the Jews look for a sign, but the Greeks seek after wisdom. Ah, here is where it comes in. For the Queen of the South shall rise up in the judgment with the men of this generation. For she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon the wisest man who ever lived you want smarts you want clever you want wisdom Solomon here is a guy the wisest man that ever lived and she listened to him let's have a look at what happened so let's look over in 1st Kings chapter 10 1 Kings chapter 10. And look at the visit of the Queen of the South, the Queen of Sheba. 1 Kings chapter 10. 1 Kings chapter 10. And when the Queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to prove him with hard questions. 
She came to Jerusalem with a very great train with camels that bear spices and very much gold and precious stones. When she was come to Solomon, she communed with him of all that was in her heart. And Solomon told her all her questions. There was not anything hid from the king which he told her not. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all Solomon's wisdom and the house he had built and the meat at his table and the sitting of his servants and the attendance of his ministers and their apparel and his cupbearers and his ascent by which he went up into the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. She came to, to Jerusalem with the camels, with the gold, well, gold, gold, precious stones, they were hard to get, and spices. These were impossible to get except by trading through Arabia. So she bought the most precious things of her kingdom. And she said, okay, Solomon, do your stuff. I've got some questions to ask. And he answered all of them. And the things that were in her heart, he told her. And she's looked around Jerusalem. And she looked at the way Solomon conducted himself as he went up to the temple. She looked at the way his servants lived. And her, and her spirit was crushed. There was no more spirit in her. She thought, oh yeah, I'm the queen of Sheba. I'm pretty good. And she came and she saw the wisdom of Solomon and she realized she was a little ant compared to what God had done in Jerusalem. And she said in verse 6, It was a true report that I heard in mine own land of thine acts and thy wisdom. Howbeit I believed not the words till I came, and mine eyes have seen it, and behold, the half was not told me. Now, wisdom. She came seeking wisdom, and she found the wisdom of Solomon. And was utterly impressed and just said, all the rumours and the stories I've told, they were just half of it. And Jesus says, when you people, when you people are coming up at judgment and God says, I'm going to judge you for what you saw and what you heard and what you didn't do. The Queen of Sheba will stand up and condemn you because she changed her heart and her soul at the preaching of Solomon and there's a greater than Solomon here and you haven't listened. There is more wisdom than Solomon here and you haven't listened. And the men of Nineveh, when Jonah went and preached to Nineveh and these men repented, an entire city repented en masse at his preaching, those people will stand up in the judgment and condemn you because they repented at Jonah's preaching and there's a better preacher than Jonah here. And by implication, you haven't changed. Now that verse in 1 Corinthians says, the Jews seek a sign, the Greeks seek wisdom. So what do we do? Do we give them a sign? Do we speak to them with wisdom? No, verse 23 of 1 Corinthians 
chapter 1 says, but we preach Christ crucified. They say, the world comes to us when we say they need to repent and change. They need to get right with God. And one group say, give me a sign. And the other group say, I want to intellectually understand it. What do we do? Do we produce signs? Do we produce intellectual understanding? No, we preach Christ crucified. Which to a Jew isn't a sign, it's a problem. Because the Jews say, a crucified Messiah, it doesn't make sense. I look at a crucified Messiah and it's all wrong. The Greek thinker, the intellectual understanding says, a crucified Messiah, if he couldn't save himself, how's he going to save me? Intellectually, it doesn't make sense. So what do we do? We say, the power of God is there in a crucified Christ. To them which are called and believe it is the power of God and the wisdom of God. We preach Christ crucified. You know why? It says that the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. We preach Christ crucified because God at his most foolish is still smarter than us. And we preach Christ crucified because God at his weakest is still stronger than us. So we preach Christ crucified. It's a stumbling block and it's foolishness. But to those who are called, it is the most precious, the most wonderful message there is. If their hearts are ready, they will turn. If their hearts are not ready, all the signs and the wonders will not change them and all the intellectual argument will not convince them. You think people change with signs and wonders? You think people change when they see signs and wonders? Well, I know one person who thought they would. And he's found a little bit further over in the, in the book of Luke. In the book of in, in Luke chapter 16. There in Luke 16. We find a guy who thinks that signs and wonders will change people's mind. Luke 16. It's the story of rich man and Lazarus. What I want to look at here is verse 27 and following of the story of the rich man and Lazarus. The rich man is in hell and he's tormented. And he's speaking to Abraham and he says in verse 27, Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou would send him, that is Lazarus, to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they, all, lest they also come into this place of torment. And Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they'll repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, they will neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. The rich man said, Father Abraham, look, send Lazarus to my brothers. I don't want them in hell with me. It's a good 
good attitude to have, isn't it? If you can't get me out, then don't let anybody else in here. Send Lazarus. And Abraham says, but they've got Moses and the prophets. They're read every Saturday in the synagogue. Let them hear that. He said, no, 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 they've heard that. That hasn't affected them. But if someone came back from the dead, they'll change their minds, they'll change their ways. But Abraham says, sorry. If they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't repent even though one rises from the dead. And they didn't. Even though one rose from the dead. So many do not repent. Now it's interesting. It's interesting that expression, Moses and the prophets. You know it's found elsewhere, that expression? Keep looking over in Luke. Moses and the prophets, that expression. In Luke chapter 24. On the trip, on the... the journey to Emmaus, when the risen Christ appears to, his, to two of his disciples, and they say to him, and he says to them, look, why are you so sad? Let's, that's where, uh, verse 17. And he said unto them, what manner of communications are these that you have one to another as you walk and are sad? And one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you a stranger in Jerusalem and has not known the things which have come to pass in these days? And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. Besides all this, this is the third day since these things were done. And yes, and certain women also of our company made us astonished which were early at the sepulchre, when they found not his body. And and they came, saying they had a vision of angels. They said he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulchre and found it even as the women had said, but they saw him not. And he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? Look here. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets. Same expression. Moses and the prophets. He expounded unto them all the things concerning himself. All the things concerning himself. What was it in Moses and the prophets that the brethren of the rich men were supposed to listen to? All the things concerning Christ. We preach Christ crucified. From the Old Testament, through Moses and the prophets, through to the New Testament, we preach Christ crucified. That must be our central theme. A lot of you, so many of us, we we pray for people who are not saved. We say... Lord, touch their hearts. And that's right, we should. And we say, Lord, give give us an opportunity to speak to them. And we should. But what should we preach? What should we talk about? Christ crucified. 
It is the centrality of the cross which changes people's lives. Signs and wonders won't do it. Intellectual understanding won't do it. Now, don't get me wrong. I am not against intellectual understanding. There was a time when some people thought that spirituality in, in, in uh, Baptist churches meant shiny suits and, and uh, bad grammar and an inability to pronounce words properly. That is not spirituality. I like to understand things. It, look, if you're going to put me down as one of these, put me down as a Greek. I like to understand things. I will spend hours digging something out till I find out about it. But that wasn't what changed my life. That wasn't what got me saved. It was the power of a crucified Christ that did it. Signs and wonders. Had a mate one time. He was a truckie. And, uh, you know, truckies, well, let's say they're not exactly drawn from the rocket science division, are they? They're usually pretty roughies, rough types. He was a truck driver, he was a Christian, and he was a great fella. He was a really great fella. And one of our, shall we say, loosely speaking brethren, charismatic, came to him and, and said, Have you received the gift of the Holy Spirit? Can you show forth signs and wonders? Do you speak with new tongues? And he said, I do, I sure do. And the fellow said, really? He said, yeah, I'm speaking with a new tongue now. And the fellow said, oh, no, 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 I'm, I mean with a different language. And he said, sunshine, you didn't hear me before I was saved. Believe me, this is a different language. <laughs> Yeah, there's, there's the power of Christ crucified revealed in a life. There's the power of the risen Christ being shown forth. You want to see signs and wonders? We see them in people's lives. We see people changed and turned around. There's signs and wonders. You want to see wisdom and understanding? You look for it in the scriptures. The scriptures are able to make the foolish wise. To make the simple clever. The power of God present in the scriptures is what we need to preach. As I said before, two types of people, Jews and Greeks. You want to understand things or do you want to see a sign? God says, I'll give you no sign and I will not intellectually play with you. I offer you a crucified Christ. You want to talk to people? Good. You want to preach to them? You want to teach them? You want to tell them about a saviour? Great. What do you need to focus on? A crucified, risen Christ. That is what it is. That is the power of God to change lives and the power to bring people into heaven. You will never argue a person into heaven. You can never drag someone through the pearly gates on a string consisting of miracles and intellectual understanding. Doesn't work. But the power of God is present in the preaching of a crucified Christ to turn any heart to him. So, 
there's a sign being given. The sign is a crucified Christ who went into the grave and rose three days later. And if they will not accept it, if those who listen will not accept the power of Christ in their life, if they refuse to hear that a Saviour loved them so much that he bled and died for them, if they do not want to know that, then the warning is given. That in the judgment the men of Nineveh will rise up and condemn them. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And the message of Christ is more powerful than that of Jonah. If there are those who look for intellectual wisdom and refuse to accept the message of a crucified Christ, then the Queen of Sheba will rise up in the judgment and condemn them. For she repented at the, at the preaching of Solomon and the wisdom of Solomon. And there's a greater than Solomon brought to us. It is a good thing that we seek the salvation of those around us. It is a noble and a right thing to do. But don't try and miracle them into heaven and don't try and argue them into heaven. It won't work. Preach, teach, talk, witness of the power of a crucified, risen Saviour. And that will be the thing that will change hearts, change lives, and bring them with us into glory. Thank you.